Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Well, um, today we're going to try and follow up. For those that have a really great memory um, from two weeks ago, we're going to try and tag on a little bit of that. Um, Pastor Quentin was talking about building God's house. And at the end, he kind of gave a thought-provoking kind of challenge or question where he was um, talking about how are we building our lives, how are we leaving our legacy, um, and living our lives not only for the present, but also for the future, building our families and our relationships and businesses. And um, he gave a list of different things. And so today we kind of want to talk about um, building our relationships. And we're going to share a few scriptures and kind of paint a big brushstroke. But um, as we read through these, um, we're going to kind of hone in a little bit more specifically um, to family. Um, that could be your kids, could be your spouse. A lot of what we're going to share is kind of an example as we dive into personal stories. Um, is going to be more so on our relationship as husband and wife. Um, but also, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about can be applied to um, all of it. You know, if you're not married, if you don't even have um, kids, maybe you're living with your family, or maybe you have a really close friend, and, um, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit's just going to kind of highlight different relationships or different people that this will apply to um, and what we're sharing and, and can kind of flow out of that. Um, and even your own personal walk with the Lord because right. that's a relationship. It's the most important one. Yeah. So we're not, um, a lot of times we take, because one of the things that he asked was, um, if we're living in such a way that spurs Christian community among us, or if we're living independently and being selfishly motivated. Um, And so a lot of times we can take these things and and apply them to, um, you know, our community around us, the people at Walmart, the people that we like to argue with on Facebook, um, the church down the street with a different theology, and talking about, um, you know, uniting the body of Christ and showing love to those who are vastly different from us and the people who are the least deserving, and which is good, um, but a lot of times we can miss... Uh, the people that are right in front of us and the people that are closest to us while focusing on everybody else. And so we kind of want to yeah, shift that a little bit today and, and um, go from there. So, uh, so we're going to read um, three scriptures to start off and just keep these in the back of your mind and in your heart as we go through today. So Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 and verse 6, it says, With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. So think of your personal relationships, especially towards those who may try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in those bonds of peace. And he is the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. How many of you know that those who uh, try our patience the most are those that we can't run away from at the end of the day? We got to go and... You know, either sleep with or go have dinner with or whatever. We can, or keep alive you know, for can, kids. Yeah. yeah, keep alive. We can close the door for only so long and then we get hungry and we have to go eat. So, yeah. um, If you're a parent, other. you know that moment where you close the door, you've gotten your kids in, and then you're like, <sighs> it's like 10 seconds. We walk around to your side of the car. All right, so you get 10 seconds. All right. Um, Did you read this? No, you didn't. Okay, Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, 
Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take an interest in others too. In Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. For all the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, issues you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. Mm. Yeah. It's intense. <laughs> so, um, like we said, a lot of times you can read these scriptures and we're thinking about like, oh yeah, that guy or that girl at work or my friend or the person that I might bump into down the street. Um, but again, we're applying these into our own reading these scriptures and thinking about, okay, how is this applying to my family, to my spouse, to my kids, to my friends, to my parents? Um, and the reason why this is so important, not only because it's the word and the word of God is important, um, but when we're looking at building our marriages and our children and our family, God's way, the kingdom way, the foundation has to be love. Love is why we were created and we were created out of love. Love is why Jesus came. Love is what draws us to the Father. Love is what drives obedience. It should be the driving force behind obedience, not fear. That applies to our kids too. Love is what drives obedience. Love is how we show Jesus to the world. And love is how people will know that we belong to him. So have you ever hung out with someone um, and this person wasn't in relationship with Jesus, but they were like this amazing person? And you were, you were thinking, man, if only, like if once they have a relationship with God, they're going to be like even more amazing. I can just imagine what they'll do. Have you ever thought that? Or there maybe um, like for us, there's a couple that we know and we're like, okay, they're crazy amazing. Um, we were at their wedding. Their ceremony was it was actually better than a lot of safe people's ceremony. Um, but we were like, wow, this genuine is love just genuine love. Yeah, we were like, wow, this is incredible. And if only the two of them knew Jesus, their marriage would be even more amazing. Um, or maybe you've had the opposite. Maybe um, you've gone around someone and it's like that T-shirt, y'all need Jesus. Where you, you're like, this person needs the Lord, you know. Um, or a marriage and you know like they're truly, you know, they're struggling and you're, you know, looking and you're like, man, if, if, if both of them really understood the love of God, that, that would be so helpful right now. Ever? Ever thought that? And, and so, not just like if only they would go to church. That's a big thing down no. south. Uh, yeah. Grandma just wants her kid or her grandkid grandson grandson, (laughs) just get him into church just get him into church that's gonna help well they're in church yeah but truly a relationship with Jesus understanding the love that he has for you and walking in that relationship walking in that love not in the the fear of the Lord where it's like "Ah, I'm gonna try to do good because I don't want to get on his bad side like no like man I love him so much I want to please him you know um 
So the reason why we have these thoughts is because the way that Jesus created it is we need his love in order to thrive personally and relationally with others. God designed it that way. And that's why he gives us all of these clues and these blueprints on how to live our best lives together. And John 13, 34 through 35, this is actually um, in the Passion Translation. It says, "A departing, the, my departing command I give you. So um, he, this is really important. He's like, hey, I'm getting ready to go, and I want to tell you this thing. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, And if you, uh, all of us in here at one point, uh, were a kid or are a kid and would hear our parents, or maybe you're a parent right now, and if there's something that's really important, you might say it a few times, you know, love one and love one another, love one another, you know, brush your teeth. Okay, so um, obviously it's something that's really important because he repeated himself three times, you know. He's like, are you listening? Like, I'm going to say it again, that you love one another. And this love and this commandment to love presses us beyond our natural human inclinations because naturally we want to be selfish, right? It's just true. (laughs) It's that nature. Um, It just wants to be selfish, wants to look out for number one. Um, But this love that he's calling us to, that he's commanding us to walk in, pushes us beyond that and into a need for Christ inspiration, into a need of understanding the love of God and having him flow through us. Because this love that he wants us to love with is not just when we feel like our spouse or our kids or our friend is deserving of this love, right? It's not uh, just when we feel like it. It's, uh, this love always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what they do or they don't do. It's the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object because that is what Jesus has done. He has poured out his love um, without going, well, I don't know, mm, they didn't really do much for me, you know. No, he just pours out his love and he gives it. No matter what we do or we don't do, we can't change his love for us. And that's the kind of love that he wants us to walk in for those around us. Yeah, yeah. So obviously this, um, this mindset, this way of living is a lot easier said. It's a lot easier to hear it and even say it than it is to do it, to live it out. And we, we understand that. You know, even for us, this is a process. Paul said at one point, you know, he was sharing some, some different things, and he said he's, you know, he hasn't arrived yet. You know, like there's not this point, I don't believe that there's this point of perfect um, walking, like where we get to this place of arriving, where we're, there's no more that we can grow. There's no more that we can learn to love. There's no, um, like it's a continual journey of identifying moments, of having, having these moments in our lives that we're going to talk about where we have a, a moment of conflict or tension or whatever it is and, and um, you know, where we get to this place where that doesn't happen anymore, you know, and, and we learn how to love one another perfectly and so we never have an opportunity for growth. It's a, it's a journey, but it's challenging. I mean, it's difficult in the moments where I would get in the shower and lean up against the shower wall and I get hair on my back from where she 
you know, puts their hair on the shower. It's difficult to love in that moment where it's a constant thing. It's difficult to love when I do the laundry because I'm trying to help out or the dishes. I don't do them that much because we're living with my parents, so my mom always gets to them before us um, right now. But when we're in our own house, you know, doing the dishes or the laundry, but it's not done the right way, so I got to hear about it. And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to How help. How dare you put a towel in with your work clothes? Yeah, so, you know, I'm trying to love, but it's difficult in that moment to respond out of, out of love. And she's got some things about me. What'd you say, the milk? Oh, oh, I said, um, he said, what's something I do that annoys you? So I said, well, uh, <laughs> where do I start? How no. much time do um, <laughs> I know, he'll, he'll drink milk and then um, leave the cap off of whatever he's poured and then we'll drink the Pass milk. Self. And then we'll drink the milk and then leave like this like little small ring of it. And little bot, yeah, that you get it. A little bit of the bottom of the cup and just leaves it there. And it, yeah, no, I've got, gotten better. I got better. We're, we're both listening and learning. I mean, even today is some healing happening right now. But um, so, yeah. So, anyways, you know, you didn't know you were here for us. Yeah. Right. There's little moments like that that you know, just nitpicky stuff that just can get on our nerves. But then there's also bigger moments where we have an argument or a disagreement and, and something said where, um, you know, that was extremely hurtful towards her that I might have said, um, you know. Or that, vice versa. Right. And so there's those moments where it devalues her and it devalues um, who she views herself as or how she sees herself. And so those are bigger moments where it's hard to respond in a loving way when I'm dishing out something that's not very loving to begin with, you know, and so we have these moments, not only with each other, but with our kids, um, or what'd you say, we're wanting to discipline without discipline, we're just wanting, it's easier to, to yell at them to go up to their room than it is to take the time and, and talk, it's easier to say, um, you know, which I lean more towards, do this or you're going to sit in time out or whatever it is, and she'll like have a five minute conversation with them about why it's not the right choice, and I'm like, oh, can we eat, like, Food's getting cold, you know, so, um, so there's so many different moments and the phrase, you know, dying to self that we read about, you know, in scripture is not, it doesn't sound like a walk in the park, but it's something that we have to do continually every single day um, with one another in order to really step into the life of love that Jesus has um, called us to. So there's so many different things and we look at even Adam and Eve in the garden um, and how there's a picture of the way it's designed to be. You know, Adam and Eve working together in unity and harmony um, in this equal place where they, um, they're truly, there's, there's no shame, there's no fear, there's none of that. And what happens in the moment of, of sin and disobedience, all that kind of enters in, the shame, the guilt, the fear, um, the blame shifting, the power struggle, um, all of these pieces begin to compile in this one moment that we see so many of them happen um, in this moment of conflict and tension. And so, you know, a lot of times um, we can see conflict as a danger zone, right? Because nobody likes conflict. A lot of times we kind of put that in our mind as a place where walls are built and bridges are burned and um, things happen and, and we get into fights and disagreements and arguments and, and bad stuff happens in conflict. And so a lot of us, including myself, I don't like conflict. I don't like dealing with um, the stuff I would rather just kind of 
push it off to the side and, and cover it up and hope it goes away and works out on its own, you know, or I can deal with it myself and not have to bring anybody else into it um, because it's just easier that way to work through your own conflict rather than to confront somebody about the issue. But for us, something that we kind of want to dive into is the idea and thought of if there's a way to see moments of conflict and tension um, that we can place into that danger category, instead of seeing them into that, turn them into opportunities of creating greater connection, intimacy, and ultimately fulfilling the commands that Jesus has given us. And so using those moments of tension to bring greater connection. Um, and that's kind of what we're hoping to dive into today. Yeah. Um, Jesus um, prayed for us in John 17 that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And when he prayed that, he wasn't just saying that this church and that church would be one, you know, um, or that you and your co-worker would be one, but he meant in every relationship with within all of us that claim to love him and know him, that we would walk in unity together and knowing in that unity comes the blessing, right? And so um, Jesus prayed this for us. And so it's amazing that when we take a moment um, in conflict in our marriages or even with our kids or with a friend, when we come into that moment of conflict, when we choose to turn towards each other instead of away and um, to walk this out, um, to try to walk in the love that God has called us to, we're actually answering a prayer that Jesus prayed. Father, let them be one as you and I are one. And so we're an answer to his prayer, which is really cool. And it's also cool to think about when you come into an area of conflict to think Jesus has already prayed for us in this moment. Like, if you wanted anyone to pray for you, if you were going to call anybody, you know, you'd want Jesus. Um, and so, <laughs> be my top guy, you know. So, um, so knowing, you know, you're entering into an uncomfortable area and thinking, hey, Jesus has literally already prayed for me for this moment, that I would walk in unity and talk to the Father about it. And so, we choose to connect and we're answering his prayer, which is awesome. So, I think all of our hearts would be that we want to walk in the love that Jesus has called us to, um, that we want to walk in that love towards our families, our uh, our spouses, our kids, our friends, right? Our coworkers. Like, we all want to walk in that love. Um, but the problem is, is that we're at war with our old self, right? The selfish ways that wants to put ourselves first and look out for number one. Um, so we're at war with that, and it wants us, again, to be selfish, to shove issues under the rug, um, or like Josiah was saying, it wants us to discipline without discipling our kids. Um, we want to react and not respond. So how do we walk in the spirit? How do we walk in the love that he's called us to um, in, this, um, in this life and do that practically? Well, first and foremost, it's through a continued relationship with Jesus, it is absolutely impossible um, to love like he loves without being in that love ourselves. So number one, like you cannot possibly love people, truly love them the way that God has called us to unless you are in relationship, not unless you just go to church on Sundays, but unless you're in a daily relationship, talking with the Lord, allowing him to speak back to you through the word, through worship, through others, um, and through that prayer time that you have and experiencing the love that he has for you and coming to know who you are in him. 
Yeah, um, a friend of ours once said that at their wedding, uh, a wise old man came up to them and uh, they were expecting this big prayer over their blessing, over their marriage. And pretty much all he prayed was, I hope, I pray you have good fights. And that was it, you know. So, was, you know, in the moment, Thanks. yeah, it was a little disappointing for them. Um, but they realized, you know, at the end of the day, our the goal today and even in our lives is not to ever get to a place where we don't encounter conflict because that's impossible. Um, you know, it's not to arrive at this place where tension no longer exists in our relationships because they're absolutely perfect. Because if you're striving for that, um, there's a good chance that you're always going to be in a position of feeling like you're a failure um, and your marriage is a failure and your relationships are a failure. And so that's not necessarily the goal. Um, but the goal is um, basically to take this, that you would have good fights and learn and to change my heart instead of fighting against her to fighting for her instead of fighting, you know, against and having a battle with my kids, but to be in a mindset and position of how can I fight for them? How can I empower her to be all that God's called her to be? How can I empower my kids to be all that God's called them to be? And so it doesn't, it turns from this fight where obviously I'm not waking up every morning thinking of how can I ruin her life, you know, and how can I just ruin my kids' lives and <laughs> stick my foot out while they're walking down the hallway and just trip them, ha <laughs> you know, like, it's not necessarily, um, it's not a healthy, normal way of thinking, you know, and so... You need counseling. Right, yeah. if, sometimes that happens, and, you know, and so if that's the case, talking it out with each other might not be enough. You might need to go to a third party there. But um, generally, you know, that's kind of where we're at is... is shifting from the conflict being to where we're, we're against one another and trying to see who comes out on top and trying to see who's right in the end and, and figure out who's, you know, who's going to win the power struggle essentially and justify that I'm right or she's right or whatever it is and, and shift that. Um, and so, um, so yeah. kind of this is our, we'll kind of dive into some, a little bit of our process. of. Yeah, there is something that I, I read before, I don't know, read it, heard it, one of the two, it's in here, um, is that they were talking about, you know, when you're playing an instrument, um, so at home we have a little kid's guitar uh, that Rua loves to play, and it is way out of tune, and there is one string that's like incredibly loose, and so it sounds off, and he hands it to us, and we play and sing anyways, but it is... It is not good, and that's like <laughs> I'm trying to have uh, just peace um, by trying to avoid any type of conflict. Um, that's not really walking in love, and that's like the scripture where it says it's a noisy, like, clanging sound. It's like a guitar that's missing a string and is loose on one end, you know, and it's, it's not pretty, um, but they say, you know, when you adjust and you have a tuning to have the just a right amount of tension, then you get this beautiful sound, right? So um, in our relationships, that tuning happens when we go to the Holy Spirit and we're tuning and we're trying to find the just the right amount of tension to where we're playing, you know, the music of love, where we're playing the music that God has called us to walk in with the relationships with the people around us and our, with our relationship with him. So when we're entering into this tension process is what we'll call it, um, uh, for us, there are three things that we, I want to say try, but three things that we found ourselves without 
thinking about it that we uh, that we end up walking through, and we don't get it right every time. Um, we're like, snap, we skipped to step three, you know, and it's we not like that. no, <laughs> we need to go back to one. So we're not thinking like, okay, this is tension. So step one, step two, um, but this is just something that we have found as we've been walking with the Lord in our personal lives, and then together, um, that has been very helpful for us. And I apply the same thing to my, to, we apply the same thing with our kids, um, with friendships that we have as well. So again, it encompasses everything. Um, but when we're entering into this moment of tension, um, a lot of times what happens is that fear can arise. And when that fear arises, I bet if you could go back and think about the last tension moment that you had, the last conflict, and what it was over, I bet if you thought about it long enough, don't get mad, um, but you could tie it back to um, a fear that was arising. And what I mean is that there was a lie that you that was rooted that you started clinging on to or started to come back up, you know, like, hey, hey, remember how you're not enough? And uh, that starts happening, and so then this fear of not being enough starts to set in, and then you close off because, well, I'm, you don't think I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm going to be over here. I'm going to be enough for myself, you know. Um, and we start to put up these walls. And so the first thing that is very helpful when conflict arises is to be vulnerable um, because, again, um, the enemy of love is fear. And that fear will try to keep you from entering into being vulnerable with one another. Um, and we can even look at Adam and Eve, um, that they're in the garden and they're together and there's love. And then they both decide, you know, together really, that they're going to eat of the fruit. And then uh, fear enters. Oh no, we've done something wrong, you know. And God's not like, where are they? You know, he comes in, he's like, hey, where are, where are you? Um, and he's looking for them out of love, but they respond out of fear. And so they start blaming each other. Well, it was the woman you gave me. Oh yeah, it was the snake, you know. And you can see how out of this fear, this conflict arose. And so we were looking back at our own personal lives. And um, I think whether in friendships, um, marriage, things with kids, we can, uh, or maybe even with your parents, there can be cycles that can continue to come around. And I would say pay attention to those. If there's a cycle that keeps popping up, then um, that's probably a place that needs healing, right? And so um, a, a lie that's really rooted that we need uh, to break. And so for us, um, one that can come up um, specifically because of some trauma that I had before we got married, um, our, during our sex life, we can have some more tension, right? Um, and so, and don't worry, you know, God made it. It's good. We need to say the word in church. So, um, so anyways, for us, uh, that can be a tension place. And so uh, for, like, let's say... Um, we were like, woohoo, we're both on board. And then all of a sudden I get triggered out of nowhere. And, um, literally <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. And so I get triggered and then, um, I pull away because then that lie starts to come. Well, you're not enough. And his lie starts to pop up, which I asked him. So, yeah, um, the fear of not being needed or wanted, um, from her pulling away. And so that would have a tendency to come up. And that's been something that I've, you know, even way back when, um, even when we first started dating, you know, that was, that was there and just didn't really realize it until just a couple of years ago as we started noticing this cycle that we had been through and started 
talking about it. Yeah, and being vulnerable. Um, and even the not being enough thing for me, I can trace that all the way back. Normally, there's some kind of lie that the enemy starts when we're really little. And he says, and he starts whispering it, not enough, through different things that happen. And so we start to filter through that lie and then see people through that lie, enter into situations and conflict through that lie. And so we had to come to a place in where we got vulnerable, and which is really uncomfortable a lot of times, you know. And we talk about, you know, men not wanting to be vulnerable, but even women can have a hard time. I have a hard time appearing weak. And so being able to say, hey, I feel really triggered, or this, you know, this happened, and I'm feeling this way, um, is you're having to trust that other person with, you know, you're being open and vulnerable. And so you're like opening up, like, please don't hurt me, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it takes a lot of trust to yeah, do I that. Mean, it's a very, it's a very difficult thing, especially for, for me. I don't think it was until four or five years into marriage where, you know, we were away on a trip and I had been processing through something myself of, of, wondering why I acted a certain way, wondering why I was, I was able to, in ministry, I was a pastor for about eight years or so, and I was able to encourage and talk to and pray with and worship with and do, you name it, with anybody else easier than I could with my wife and kids. Like, it was just this weird block that I had where whenever it came to them, it was like, why do I struggle with encouraging them? But somebody can come into my office struggling with something, I'd be like, you are amazing, you are blah, 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 and do all the pastoral thing. And then when it came to wife I was, and kids, I was like, well, they're good enough. They probably don't need it. Like, you know, like it was just this weird thing of, of this conflict that I had, but I was trying to process it through myself. I was trying to kind of deal with it myself because that's um, safer. It's my protective bubble. And so it wasn't until that moment where I took that step as uncomfortable and awkward as it was to try and process through where I was at. Because again, when you, when you begin to open up yourself to somebody else, especially somebody that's close to you, um, there's always the threat of rejection. There's a threat of being hurt again. There's a threat of whatever it might be. And so it's sometimes difficult with the person that you're closest to, because again, if somebody outside of your circle hurts you, then you could just shut them off from the rest of the world. You know, you could shut them off from your world, but I can't as easily shut her off from my world if there's a reciprocating hurt or whatever. And so that vulnerable piece, it wasn't until I stepped into that and I said, okay, I need to include her in my process. And I see that even in Adam, with Adam and Eve, when God created Eve, he spoke over her the word helper. And for us, that, that doesn't attribute or communicate to her just being, the, the, the wife just being the one that helps with the dishes and the cooking and the whatever that we tend to kind of belittle that too. There's so much more um, in that role of partnership. partnership. And so I allowed that, I tapped into that portion with her and the call that God has on her life to come in and help in that moment of process that I was going through. And it opened up a, another step in our relationship, in our place where, um, and she didn't come and, and, and criticize or judge or mock or anything like that. It was a, it was a place of doing her best to understand what I was communicating. And it was a 
I don't know. It started. It was. I think it was healing for the both of us because right. in his vulnerability, I started letting down more walls myself. And so, a lot of times we think like, "Well, I'll share this," and then they'll come across this way, and we have this whole conversation in our heads, you know, before we've let that person actually be themselves. And <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. Um, and then you know, but then we have that communication and allowing that person to, you know, be that safe place, giving them the opportunity to be safe um, and to let down their own walls too um, in return. And this also, um, you know, you can thinking, well, I don't have a significant other right now or, you know, I love my parents, you know, us too. No, but, um, <laughs> but you can also think of this, you know, um, if conflict arises with uh, friendships or even with your parents, if your um, go-to thing is to shut down and then wait till it goes away and not be vulnerable and share, then you're setting yourself up for failure in your marriage later down the road or, you know, uh, just in life, you know, with work relationships, with different things that people that you would have come in contact with. So um, practicing that vulnerability and being open with one another and coming to that conflict. I like the phrase that says, speak the truth, even if your voice shakes, because there's been times where I'm like, oh, okay. And I'll go in and I'm like, on the inside, I feel like this, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this happened and I feel this way, you know, but at the end, um, when there's that connection, oh my goodness, it feels so much better. And you feel um, you've gone into a deeper relationship and more of a unity with that person, with your parent, with your friend, your children, your spouse. Um, so being vulnerable is the number one, even though it's scary, you can do it. The next one is seeking to understand, seeking to understand. Um, and the reason why we say this is because speaking to understand, speaking, <laughs> seeking to understand opens the door for truth. Okay. Um, we need to do the same thing in our relationship with the Lord too. We've got something going on. We feel, um, hurt because I don't know about you, but I've been upset with the Lord sometimes and have been like, what in the world, if I was God, I would have done it that way, you know? And so it's <laughs> being truthful. Um, and so going before him and saying, okay, I, I have this offense. I have this, you know, these are my feelings. Um, and then opening the door for him to respond. So even in the Bible, we see with David, who was like a manly man, right? Took off giant's heads, but he was still very vulnerable. And we all get to read his journal. And he opened up and he's talking about, you know, I feel like I'm in the pit of despair. I got all this going on. These are my feelings. And then he allows God to come and speak the truth. And he's seeking to understand, God, where are you? What's going on? And then God responds and answers. And, you know, the reason this is so important, the seeking to understand part, and I'm very passionate about this portion, is because at the end of the day, we're all different. We all have different backgrounds. We have different experiences. We have different moments of trauma, whatever it might have been. Different upbringings. Different upbringings. And they all come, especially in, in a marriage relationship, they all come to the surface at some point when you join in relationship with your spouse and then even with your kids um, and, and others, like, Eventually, those upbringings and backgrounds and trauma points and whatever it is, different personalities, different personalities, it all comes to the surface in how we respond to things and how we deal with situations and how we communicate to one another. Like it all plays in together. And so, the big part of seeking to understand is allowing a moment to where I open myself up or I allow her to open herself up. And listen without trying to make an argument or defend my position or defend my argument or whatever the case is. 
So when we respond in the way of seeking to understand instead of reacting out of our fears and offense, we create space for the other person to be heard, which in turn begins to break down our defensive walls that come up in the midst of conflict. We don't feel like we have to validate or defend ourselves because the other person's open to listen, hear, and understand without judgment, criticism, or condemnation. And that's a big piece for me is, and for us in this journey. Again, we haven't gotten it right because a lot of times we like to justify why we made the decision that we did. We like to justify our behavior. We like to justify because we want to be right. You know, we want to we want to know that what we did was was the truth. And this is and this is who I am. This is what I am. And and so we want to stand our ground and get in that fight position. But seeking to understand allows me to hear where she's coming from. And so not only am I responding, um, no longer responding out of a place of frustration towards what she did, but I'm responding out of a place of understanding of who she is and why she did what she did. Um, and a lot of times that brings um, even more healing into the unity that we have together because I, I allow myself to understand another piece of her that I might not have understood before or known before. Um, and so I want to read just a quick section and we're getting close to being being done. This is um, a book called um, Cultivate. It's by the Cageless Birds. Um, if you go to cagelessbirds.com, they have like six volumes of these, and it's just stories of people's walk with God and how it infiltrates their families, their um, relationships with other people, their personal walk with Him. Um, incredible content in here. Um, but I want to read this section, then we'll continue to the last point. Um, there are rules of engagement when it comes to handling conflict well in marriage. First and foremost, seek to understand. This is paramount. If Lauren seems agitated, I can say, what's wrong with you in a million different ways? I can say, looks like something's wrong in an annoyed and condescending tone. Or I can angrily raise my voice. What's wrong with you? Maybe not that angry. I, I don't get that angry, so it's really hard for me to um, talk in that voice. Um, or I can, with genuine inquiry, ask, hey, babe, is everything okay? Our number one goal is seek to understand. It doesn't matter if it's a giant thing or a small petty thing. Anything can throw us off. So I'm going to seek to understand and I'm going to listen. A lot of people make peace their goal, which sounds really awesome in a relationship, but when we don't actually address issues, we don't solve anything. Couples that make peace their goal are very passive and their relationship is very shallow. They end up living like roommates, which we've been multiple times. There aren't any deeper questions. Um, eventually that marriage blows up because keeping the peace is full of self-protection instead of vulnerability, authenticity, and courage. The enemy is not conflict. Lauren and I have conflict all the time around the kids, around work, and it's not bad. It's just a place for me to think, okay, right now, what's important is that we're connected at the end of this. Conflict is something that has to happen in a marriage relationship or other relationships. Our ability to navigate through conflict as, as spouses create a beautiful trust between us. When we both know that we can be different, and that our differences don't break us apart, conflict actually creates safe space for us to explore one another. Ultimately, conflict should be a place of strength. So we had um, uh, this one quote said, explain your anger instead of expressing it and you'll find solutions instead of arguments. There was a time that I decided to process through unintentional things that she had done in decisions of raising our kids in different moments from what to wear and what to feed them and whatever, you know, and so, I decided instead of talking at it from the beginning to kind of hold all these little moments in. And so one day it, it came up and I, the one time that I raised my voice um, in a 
angry, not that intense, but um, the one, yeah, so for me it was intense, but I was like, fine, you go raise the kids then. It was like in front of Malachi, I think he was two or three at the time. He's like, you just raise them, you know, and so um, it didn't go over well, to my surprise. I'm sure you guys probably guessed that, but that was me responding out of a moment and not taking any time to share with her any of my processes that I had been going through and just trying to figure it out myself. Um, and so, so yeah, just, it doesn't, doesn't work very well. Yeah. Cause that, that seed, that lie just festers. And then we begin to see everything through that filter. And so being vulnerable and saying, this is what's going on. And then opening up that seeking to understand is saying like, you're opening up for the truth. This is the lie. And I know that you love me you know, even just people that care about you around you. I know that you have good intentions. So can you explain to me, not what are you thinking, but can you explain to me what's happening in your mind? And they might be dealing with something um, that they haven't talked about that, you know, opening up the door for them to be vulnerable then and to say, this is what's going on. And you both can have this understanding moment of getting to know each other on a deeper level and stepping into that unity. And then from there, um, cause a lot of times we just want to jump straight into forgiveness, you know, like skip the vulnerability, skip the, uh, seeking to understand. I just want to go, well, I can't believe you did that. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. And I just want to leave it there. Well, no, that's just like, you know, just taking the fruit off the tree, but that's not actually going to the roots and it's going to produce more fruit still. And so, um, forgiveness is the last step after we have been vulnerable and we share with one another and try to understand. Um, and this isn't about forgiveness is not about the one that was wrong needs to apologize and needs to figure out why they need to apologize all by themselves. No, you know, girls like to do that. Read my mind. Um, this is the place where we both, both of us, even the person who feels like they're in the right, need to search our hearts and motives behind our reactions, our responses, and um, of what happened and offer a true repentance and forgiveness to move forward together. Because most of the time, there's an apology going both ways. Like at the end of it, he's like, okay, I'm sorry. And I'm like, ugh. And I'm sorry because I should have been vulnerable from the start and to share what was going on. So a lot of times it does end up being just one person that needs to apologize. Quick tip. Whoever does this first is considered the more mature. So yeah. just get on that. I literally said out loud one time, I am not going to be the more mature one, you know. And so good job, Candace. It's me 80, 90% of the time. It really is. Just kidding. <laughs> we don't keep tabs. <laughs> but he's better at it. All right. I have like a board in my closet, my side of the closet. <laughs> I keep track. That's what those tally marks are. All right. <laughs> um, you want to do? Yeah. So with forgiveness, obviously the tendency is, is to want to run away. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to do other things than to forgive. Um, because that means again, you're placing yourself in the position of saying, I probably, 70% wrong in this situation. Just kidding. I was wrong in this situation. Um, even in those moments where you feel like you're right, you feel like you need to be justified in your decision. And it's tough. I mean, because dealing with, um, you know, getting upset about the, the milk in the cup is different than, you know, some of the bigger issues that we might face in marriage, yeah. the, the thing within our, within our sex life or the cycle that we've gone through or dealing with financial 
tension or whatever. So there's, there's different, obviously, it's not one size fits all with this. Um, but again, forgiveness is that place um, that helps keeps the walls of conflict from building back up. Because if we don't forgive and release and, and maybe not move on entirely, I mean, it doesn't mean that we forget everything that happened. Um, but one of the things that we've decided in our hearts and one of the things that we do, I believe, really well is that we don't bring that stuff back up. Once we've truly repented towards one another and forgiven each other in our hearts, we don't go two months down the road and pull that thing back into whatever current argument or situation that we're dealing with. Yeah. It's, it's, it's done. You know, it's left. It might be the same cycle. And sure, we might come back like, okay, here we are again. This happened two months ago. But we don't bring up the dirt of each other, of what we dealt with then when we've honestly and truly forgiven one another in our hearts. And this is what helps you get to that place of honestly and truly uh, forgiving. This is called Soul Care. It's a really good book. we got about um, five, five more minutes. You guys are yeah. good. Um, so uh, here's a little example. This says, early in my relationship with Jen, she brought up a hurt from our dating years. It wasn't the first time we had discussed it. This uh, had come up several times before. I said, sweetie, we talked about this, and I asked for your forgiveness, and you forgave me. She said, I know. I said, why do we keep going back to it? Jen said, I don't know. Then one night, we talked about it again. She actually yelled at me, which may have been the only time in our marriage she shouted at me. This time, when she talked about her hurt, I understood. It pierced my heart. I got down on my knees and asked her to forgive me with tears. She forgave me, and it was the last time we ever discussed the issue. The problem was that I kept offering her a cup worth of an apology, but she had a five-gallon offense. We couldn't get through the issue until I offered her a five-gallon apology, and she offered me five gallons of forgiveness. Learning how to listen is vitally important if you are going to forgive to the level of offense. This is the seeking to understand comes in. Often people practice what I call content listening. Content listening is when your spouse says to you, I need you to help more around the house. And you respond by repeating back the content in your own words. So you would feel more supported if I helped more around the house. We are simply making sure we understand each other with the content of what is being conveyed. But there is a much deeper level of listening. It is what I call emotional listening. Now, I'm not just listening to the content of what you're communicating. I am also listening to the emotional tone and the weight behind your words. I am picking up the intent. I couldn't offer Jen a five-gallon apology when I was only content listening because I didn't know there was a five-gallon hurt. I needed to hear her at a deeper level. I had to understand how deeply she was hurt. I needed to hear her heart. And one last thing that I want to read from this, this book. Um, this story is a lot like mine on how this um, individual dealt with forgiveness, which was um, out of my fear or um, desire to want to feel wanted and loved or whatever, that fear that I, that I wasn't. Um, whenever that moment would come of forgiveness, I would always, I would generally want it to come from her in a pursuit from her. And so what does that look like in a moment of tension or conflict where we're um, turned away from each other? I would, I would separate, and sometimes, I mean, early on, I mean, this would last, uh, I don't know, four or five, sometimes the max, like four or five days that we would know that something's there, but we wouldn't deal with it for like almost a week. And then we'd eventually come back around. Um, and so now it's, I think, just within that day, you know, we'll talk about whatever the situation is. And so, um, but I would turn away because out of my fear of being wanted, 
um, or not being wanted, I would want her to come to me because it would validate that fear. It wouldn't deal with the fear. It wouldn't deal with the root cause. It would just, in that moment, if she came, it would validate. Putting a Band-Aid on. Yeah, putting a Band-Aid. And so I would, I would run away. And, and essentially, it was a punishment um, for that forgiveness and shaming. And it says, in every corner of my life, the Lord has been showing me that punishment and shaming are not an effective response to places where I feel hurt or misunderstood. I use space and silence to communicate pain without courage instead of taking the time to recenter and reconnect. With the help of the Holy Spirit, forgiveness looks like humbly and honesty, honestly owning up to my role, my behavior, and my communication in a moment. It looks like true and honest apology that isn't withholding or vague. It's the honesty of saying I was wrong and I'm sorry without employing blame. It's the vulnerability of asking would you be willing to forgive me without entitlement or control. In marriage, as in life, forgiveness is crucial to staying intimately connected. And that's the idea of turning towards one another. Um, there was a study done, um, New York Institute, and, and they were studying different marriages, and they found out um, the percentage rate of those that stayed together. Um, those were um, more, I can't remember what it was, but basically it was like 94, 94% um, were um, I'm trying to think of the words. Uh, I think it's right here, actually. Essentially, there was a percentage rate where it was a higher percentage of marriages would stay together um, for those that turned towards one another in times of conflict than turned away. Um, and so we can see, even in, even in relationships, when we take the time to turn towards one another in moments of conflict and tension rather than turning away, there's greater healing um, and connection that happens in that moment, the healing and, and truly living out I believe the love that we read about earlier. Um, and so the last scripture that we want to share with you, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, um, says, so as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose and well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you should forgive. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourselves in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So, at the end of the day, this is an uncomfortable process. There's no um, way around that. I mean, a lot of times we like to stay in what's comfortable, whether that's an old pair of shoes or our non-existing gym habits. You know, we want to stay in what's the most comfortable um, because that's what we're used to. It's uncomfortable to um, go to the gym when that's not a part of your routine. Um, but sitting on the couch eating potato chips all day also isn't the healthiest thing, you know. And so we look at s something like this, and for some, it might be some of you guys are really good at it. Some of you haven't, may not have taken that step. And so everybody, um, we understand that in this room, we're all coming from different points in our life, and. So knowing that this journey is just that. It's a journey of taking steps forward and choosing to continually turn towards one another in these moments. Um, we're not, we don't get it perfect all the time, and we don't keep track of that. You know, we just, we just know where we've come from, and we know where we're at today. And we know that there's steps that we've taken, and there's places where we're at that we celebrate, you know, the growth that's happened. Um, but again... Um, it's one of those things that's a continual journey of um, choosing to fight for one another um, instead of fighting against one another.
Yeah, so it's going all the way back to John where he says, by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is how we share the kingdom with the world. Like you can go out and lay hands on the sick, which is awesome. And you can give prophetic words and that's awesome. And you can, you know, share the word and that's awesome. But God says, but if you don't have love, all of that is nothing. And so um, that's our goal. That's our heart is to be able to share the kingdom and show the kingdom of God through our love for one another. So your relationship with your parents, with your friendships, with your spouse, with your kids, that's actually showing people the love of God. It should be, which is what draws them in um, into stepping into that relationship with God themselves. Um, so that's just what we want to um, pray over you today um, and just bless you with that. So Father, um, just thank you for everyone that is in this room. God, um, the places that they're in, we realize that everybody is on a different um, journey and different place in their journey um, on their walk with you in this place. Um, and so for um, those of us who are um, in uh, marriages with our kids, um, friendships, parents, whatever it is, Father, we ask that you would come and just highlight the places where maybe uh, we're walking in disunity, where we've been turning away from one another, and where you're calling us to turn towards each other and to walk in love. Um, and Father, thank you, Jesus, for already praying for us that we would be one, that we would walk in unity, that you are there cheering us on. Uh, you're our greatest cheerleader. So, um, we just ask for, um, Holy Spirit, just your continued strength and love and um, conviction, not shame, that we wouldn't hear any of this and feel shamed, um, but that we would uh, feel your nudging um, that is out of love, that's calling us up, it's calling us higher to be the person that you've created us to be, because that's why you come and bring that tension between us and you, and it's because you're calling us up into more, that you want us to be all all that you've created us to be, not because you're um, uh, you're disapproving of us, but because you love us so much. So, Father, we um, open ourselves up to hear from you because we know that you're that safe place. We know that we can be vulnerable with you. We know that we can seek to understand with you. We know that we can ask for forgiveness where it's needed um, and that you respond quickly with that forgiveness. So, um, we just step into that this week, just continue to highlight those things with us. And we just bless the marriages that are in this room. Um, we bless the families um, and those that are uh, single um, in here, Father. We just bless them and uh, we thank you, Father, that they would be all that you've called them to be, uh, God. And they would walk in the knowledge of your love um, and who they are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.